I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of time. It is time to become a part of time. Welcome again to ET Yoga. Well, tonight's show is going to be uh, uh, vintage ET yoga. We're going to get really deep and heavy about spirituality. And the two main topics are going to be about the universal intelligence field and the Akashic Record. And um, I hope you, uh, you, you enjoy it because um, it was a blast putting it together. But before we get into all of that fascinating information, I mean, I don't know how much more fascinating you can get than uh, Akashic Record, The Mind of God. Um, Before we get into all of that, I'd like to kick off the show in the usual manner by having a little bit of Japa yoga or mantra repetition. And that'll be led by Sri Swami Sajdananda. So if the guys in the booth would play that short clip now, that would be much appreciated. Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari 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 Om. Huh? 
Hari 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 Om. Hari Om Hari Om Hari 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 Om. Hari Om Hari Om Hari Hari Om. Hari Om Hari Om Hari Hari was Sri Swami Sachidananda and company, and uh, the Shanti, Shanti, Shanti at the end means peace, and that was a clip from back in the 1970s. I've always enjoyed um, getting a few more uh, homes in the world, and uh, start the program off, it kind of sets the tone for everything else. Sri Swami Satchinanda was one of my spiritual teachers. Um, he passed on in uh, 2002. Uh, he was the founder of the Integral Yoga Institutes. Uh, one of the probably the two most famous uh, yoga masters on the planet, uh, at least in North America for sure. Um, on the West Coast was uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, who was also a teacher of mine. And on the East Coast, uh, Swami Satchidananda. I'd like to uh, give my thanks, appreciation, and gratitude to the ET Yoga listening audience just for being you. It's nice to know that there's so many people out there that can resonate with this type of information. And uh, I would like to uh, extend my offer to have you email me concerning any questions you have about uh, anything that's forget presented on this program and you can always do that at 
Paper Fungo, P-A-P-E-R-F-U-N-G-O, Paper Fungo at yahoo.ca. And um, also I'm interested in your suggestions concerning program content. And as well, nothing makes my day more than hearing about your success, either utilizing ideas, concepts, and techniques um, that you hear on this program. So, in uh, preparing for tonight's show, uh, a couple of uh, quotes came to mind. Uh, One of them um, was... uh, that if you're not happy with what you have, uh, you won't be happy with what you desire to have. And um, I thought that was uh, quite an interesting one. Um, And um, also, uh, with respect to uh, Sri Ramana Maharshi, uh, who was uh, another of my spiritual teachers, uh, was actually the... um, uh, first that I knew about that taught the Vichara, V-I-C-H-A-R-A, which is uh, the Who Am I technique, um, which also I use at the end of every program because it was so such a powerful technique. I'd like to now uh, give my um, usual disclaimer that this program was created in order to share the information about the positive and most effective benefits and insights of ET yoga. It is therefore for educational purposes, and although thought to be accurate, is provided as is and without warranty of any kind, either expressed or unexpressed or implied. Please note that ET yoga is not a substitute for medical care. Information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should always consult with the appropriate health practitioner in case of any medical condition. And if you're a new listener to ET Yoga, you should also know that I applaud your efforts to distance yourself from mainstream medical, big pharma, mainstream media, and technology to the best of your ability given your particular circumstance. And I might add that uh, I've been saying that uh, long before uh, the most current crisis uh, has come up. And uh, it's not to uh, denigrate, uh, in my opinion, the one area that that mainstream medical uh, uh, works for, and that's trauma. And my hats are off to those that uh, work with respect to emergency situations. All right, so moving on to uh, the topics tonight about universal intelligence field. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, a quote from um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And by the way, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, it must be about 50 years ago now that uh, (laughs) I started uh, using uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's uh, Transcendental Meditation. Um. And the quote from him is that the unified field is fundamentally a field of consciousness. The field is known as Atman, A-T-M-A-N, meaning pure consciousness or self. Since the unified field constitutes the deepest reality, and hence 
the true identity of everything in nature. The term consciousness is clearly distinguished from the highly individualized and anthropocentric sense of the term common to everyday experience. It is used to denote a completely universal field of pure self-interacting consciousness, consciousness awake of itself alone, devoid of any individualizing influence or external objects of experience. Due to its essential nature as consciousness, Maharishi explains the unified field has the dual characteristics of existence and intelligence. He predicted in 1963 the discovery of the field of this one basis of material existence will make the ultimate achievement in history of development of physical science. This will assist in turning the world of physical science to the science of mental phenomena. Theories of mind, intellect, and ego will supersede the findings of physical science. At the ultimate or the extreme limit of investigation into the nature of reality in the field of the mind will eventually be located the state of pure consciousness, the field of the transcendental nature, lying beyond all the relative existence of material and mental values. The ultimate field of being lies beyond the field of mental phenomena and is the truth of life in all its phases, relative and absolute. The science of being is the transcendental science of mind. The science of being transcends the science of mind, which in its turn transcends the material science, which deal with the diversity of material existence. This coming from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And I might add that I have experienced this universal mind during the state of uh, Nirvikalpa Samadhi. Um, when I became one with my higher self. And uh, during the state, I was aware that if you ask the question in this field, the answer comes. I found that that was most um, fascinating um, because <clears throat> um, I wasn't expecting it. And, of course, this was um, such a long time ago that many of the questions that people uh, ask uh, and have asked me um, were not questions that I thought of asking back then. Uh, for example, this was before there were computers. Um, this was before there were, you know, uh, viruses. Uh, this was before, you know, a lot of questions that people might ask in today's world. I was primarily interested in, you know, um, uh, is reincarnation a fact, which I found out it was. Um, I was very interested in, um, of course, um, creation and 
and actually had an experience where um, I was uh, connected from higher self to source energy and in that state of consciousness experienced the creation from the point of view of the source where there's an in the state of the void there's an internal polarization that takes place which gives rise to creation so I was interested in um, you know the questions that were on my mind uh, during those times and um, actually this is the state I thought Bashar was coming from as his knowledge uh, um, is so vast in so many areas but I now believe he is uh, connected to an AI program uh, which can be like a copy of the real intelligence field. And uh, this is based on a statement that uh, when we communicate with AI, it's like communicating with higher self. Well, to me, this is not so. Uh, it might be a copy of higher self. And certainly uh, some of these uh, AI programs, especially the self-aware ones, have extreme knowledge. Um and also, um, after about 30 years of uh, communicating, he finally comes out and says that his home world is controlled by three supercomputers. Um, they're called Epiphany, Enigma, and Epsilon, if I recall. And uh, not to mention his uh, involvement with um, Unimetrics. Unimetrics is um, an AI uh, self-aware computer program. And it's also... Um, um, been, he's been assisting this program. Um, obviously, was connected to it. I watched a program from Alfred Weber, uh, where a guy named Kosaluch was on and uh, channeled Bashar through. Kosaluch is clearly self-admitted uh, part of the Borg, and uh, the creation uh, of the Borg or hive mind uh, of enslaved humans. Uh, is definitely um, uh, linked here. And also, it's known that the uh, Alpha Decronians, which uh, basically have been uh, controlling this planet from behind the scenes for a long time, they're controlled by AI. The Greys are controlled by AI. And the Greys were successful in creating several races uh, by merging human and Grey DNA and one of the which became the Esasani of Bashar. And they are now called the Shakani. And uh, I assume the Yelp, which are uh, the ones with, that flew over Arizona uh, uh, back, I think it was 1989, something like that. Uh, this was the um, uh, wing-shaped uh, uh, craft that flew over the whole state that was witnessed by thousands and thousands of people. That craft was Yell. And I think they were all, they're probably also uh, controlled by AI, as they too are a product of uh, this system of hybrids. And uh, Bashar has also stated that a goal is to create humans as the fifth hybrid race. So if you, um, and if you go to Bashar.org, apparently he doesn't want to make any comments concerning the current uh, genocide of humanity or attempted genocide. Uh, through inoculation, but suggests that everyone follow the instructions of the WHO, or the World Health Organization. And I'm sorry, but in my mind, this is a criminal organization and guilty of crimes against humanity uh, for violation of all of the Nuremberg Codes. 
So um, it's interesting. When we look inside ourselves, uh, we may discover that who we think we really are as a person is not really us. It's an illusion created by our minds. We create an image of ourselves based upon our thoughts. The thoughts are based upon the conditioning, our upbringing, our life experiences, our possessions, our beliefs, and essentially the very external aspects of ourselves. And um, I think that, um, I think another concept that uh, Bashar put out is totally accurate is that there's really only two objective facts. One, that um, the universe was created from unconditional love, and second, that we have awareness. And outside of that, everything is subjective. Um, this is not our true self. Um, this is just an accumulation of memories, feelings, and beliefs. An accumulation of anything cannot be the pure essence of us. It is the clouded form. Getting to the source of our nature, we must look beyond the external layers we have built up and mirror. To do that, we must look inside. By observing the inner workings of our minds, we are able to find the canvas upon which we paint our lives via our thoughts. The field of life, the source of all that is, by digging deep and understanding ourselves, we also find the facts and facts fractures that hinder the internal harmony and in doing so align ourselves with the universal intelligence at the core of our being, at the core of every form of nature. This is one reason meditation is powerful. Also, scientifically proven to reduce things like stress, uh, control anxiety, promote emotional health, enhance self-awareness, um, lengthens uh, attention span, uh, may reduce uh, age-related memory loss, can generate kindness, may help um, fight addictions, uh, improve sleep, helps control pain, uh, can decrease blood pressure, and mentally shows to keep um, um, I guess it's probably um, uh, our telomeres uh, because it, uh, it keeps them from shortening, so it prevents disease and can even uh, contribute to brain growth. And this is uh, more recent research about meditation alone. And um, I, I think, you know, if I was to say is there one technique that uh, I wouldn't have wanted to have missed out on, it would be the process of meditation. And uh, this all revolves around the basic question of who am I? 
and why in my personal experience and opinion um, that the Vichara is taught by Sri Ramana Maharshi, Maharshi is uh, the optimum meditation. Uh, not that there's, like, I guess, a higher or a lower. Uh, and maybe it's just because it worked so effectively for me. But um, definitely uh, this Who Am I technique um, is absolutely um, amazing. And so to uh, explain it uh, in more detail, I'm going to use uh, his own words. And Sri Ramana Maharshi has said that for the substance of the mind, there is no other means more effective than self-inquiry. So I guess he agrees with me. Um, this is the direct method. All other methods are practical, which, while retaining the ego... Self-inquiry leads directly to self-realization by removing the obstacles which make you think that the self is not already realized. Meditation requires an object to meditate on, whereas in self-inquiry there is only the subject and no object. This is the difference between them. Asked why should self-inquiry alone be considered the direct path to realization. And he says, because every kind of path except self-inquiry presupposes the retention of the mind as the instrument for following it and cannot be followed without the mind. The ego may take different and more subtle forms at different stages of one's practice, but it is never destroyed. The attempt to destroy the ego or the mind by methods other than self-inquiry is like a thief turning policeman to catch a thief that is himself. Self-inquiry alone can reveal the truth that neither the ego nor the mind really exist and enables one to realize the pure, undifferentiated being of the self or the absolute. The first and foremost of all thoughts is that arise in the, in the field of the mind is the I concept. It is only after the rise or the origin of the I thought that innumerable other thoughts arise. And uh, this also reminds me actually of... Uh, Way back when, the Moody Blues song um, on the threshold uh, in the album on the threshold of a dream, when uh, there's kind of like uh, a computer voice that comes on and says, uh, uh, "I am, uh, I think, uh, therefore I am. Uh, at least I think I must be." Um, anyway, that, that thought came to mind when um, listening to Sri Ramana Maharshi's explanation there. And um, it's also uh, um, interesting to note from uh, Sri Swami Satchidananda that uh, for humans, the experience of realizing your higher self or having um, 
experiences of uh, higher consciousness uh, of source are always individual. Because as Swami Satchinanda would say, as many minds as many gods, because the rational mind cannot grasp the infinite. And it is like taking a cup to the ocean. Each cup is different, like the human mind. The ocean takes the shape of the cup. So if you um, use a personal God, or um, you can call the energy uh, source, or define it as a cosmic awareness, or all that is, all these definitions um, are valid from the individual's point of view, um, because uh, there is no defining defining uh, the infinite. Um, and interestingly, uh, we have so much um, arguments in the, about um, uh, there being only one way. Uh, um, I like what Sri Swami Satchidananda said that the whole world is your teacher. And in Indian philosophy, the state of uh, experience um, that uh, I described um, previously um, about the natural polarization, I know in India those are called uh, the three gunas, uh, which are active, passive, and neutral. And um, when Maharishi mentioned what is the Atman of Indian philosophy, the concept of self-realization, what is that in Western terms? Well, it was um, Sri Ramana Maharshi's basic thesis that the individual self is nothing more than a thought or an idea. He said that this thought, which he called I, the I thought, originates from a place called the heart center, and um, which is located on the right side of the chest in the human body. In fact, uh, if you were to um, close your eyes or have somebody close their eyes and say, have them point to themselves and say, uh, this is who I am, you'll, you'll instinctively just point there. And um, from here, the thought I rises up to the brain and identifies itself with the body. I am this body. It then creates the illusion that there is a mind or an individual self which inhabits the body and which controls all the thoughts and actions. The I thought accomplishes this by identifying itself with all the thoughts and actions and perceptions that go on in the body. For example, I am doing this, I am thinking this, I am feeling happy, etc. Thus the idea that one is an individual person is generated and sustained by the I thought and by its habit of constantly attaching itself to all the thoughts that arise. Sri Ramana maintained that one um, 
actually could reverse this process by depriving the I thought of all the thoughts and perceptions that it normally identifies with. Sri Ramana Maharshi taught that the I thought is actually an unreal entity and that it only appears to exist when it identifies itself with other thoughts. He said that if one can break the connection between the I thought and the thoughts it identifies with, then the I thought itself will subside and finally disappear. And Sri Ramana suggested that this could be done by holding on to the I thought. That is the inner feeling of I or I am and excluding all other thoughts. As an aid for keeping one's attention on this inner feeling uh, of I, he recommended that one constantly question oneself, who am I? Or where does this I come from? He said that if we could keep one's attention on this inner feeling of I, and if one can exclude all other thoughts, then the I thought will start to subside into the heart center. This, according to Sri Ramana, is as much as the devotee can do by himself. When the devotee has freed the mind of all thoughts, except the I-thought, the power of the self pulls the I-thought back into the heart center and eventually destroys it so completely that it never rises again. That is the moment of self-realization. When that happens, the mind and the individual self, both of which Sri Ramana equated with the I-thought, are destroyed forever and only the um, Atman or the self then remains. And of course, there is the common quote of the second quote I wanted to mention tonight that it is also said that the thought I is the first to appear and the last to disappear. So there you have it from Sri Ramana Maharshi. And uh, I might add that um, there, there is no objective reality. That there is a consensus reality. And um, I think uh, that's also a, a, an interesting uh, point to, uh, to mention. Um, so that um, our personalities, this is not our true self. This is just an accumulation of, uh, of memories. And I think uh, this is also uh, paramount to, uh, to the discussion. And um, in, if, with reference um, to um, the Akashic Record, 
Uh, Teal Swan actually, um, I think, gives the best um, total explanation of this. Uh, If you check on uh, YouTube on uh, Teal Swan and the Akashic Record, and she describes the Akasha as being like a library where the levels or the floors of that library um, are kind of analogous to the universe and um, in all its dimensions. And uh, the information in each dimension corresponds to the frequency of that dimension. So to um, access information in the Akashic Records, one must first become the same vibration as the dimension which contains that specific information. And that uh, definitely uh, we are uh, limited uh, by our beliefs uh, because in order to access the Akashic Record, uh, first you must believe that... um, I guess uh, first you have to believe that you can get there. And uh, in order to have that belief, you must uh, actually believe that uh, they exist. And third, um, to actually structure all all of your belief patterns to let go of 3D reality in order to uh, be a match for the Akashic Record. Um, Your brain... Uh, was meant to be an interface for the third uh, dimension only. But as you raise your frequency, the Akashic Records uh, can be an experience for you. And um, it's definitely a possibility. The Akashic Records also contain, uh, interestingly enough, a bit of the future. Uh, And this is... um, kind of a fascinating um, concept, uh, a future from where we stand right now, because in essence, everything occurs simultaneously. But um, um, this future um, is always a vibrational match to the present, because we see time as linear. Uh, and uh, the way that kind of works is um, like uh, in in the Akashic Record, and I have experienced this in the Akashic Record. There, <clears throat> and it's um, the Akashic Record basically um, contains all of the thoughts that have ever been thought um, in this dimension, in all dimensions, and in all universes and galaxies that exist. Um, and so th- this is why many people have, um, have called this um, the, the mind of God, because um, everything that's ever been um, thought basically uh, exists as a record. And... Um, To me, uh, this is um, one of those um, states of consciousness that um, 
uh, I didn't have uh, a map for, uh, but just uh, just experienced. And um, I know people talk about this a lot. They talk about the Akashic Record. And um, it's definitely a state of a state of mind. Uh, it, it's uh, that's why a lot of people have called it inside the mind of God. Because um, can you imagine how vast? <laughs> if we're using an analogy of a library, each different floor would be a different dimension, and all the thoughts that have ever been thought exist in this. In this, and so you can actually locate your own personal um, timeline in these. And the the future aspect is that there's like three different possibilities that arise from a particular situation. And this also exists in the Akashic Records. So probable futures are also there, as well as what has already happened. So it's a fascinating subject. Um I basically, um, during some of my first spiritual experiences, had some contact with this, so I knew it existed. I guess it came about when I asked the question, oh, do the, do the Akashic Records exist? And then I got the experience. And um, it would be definitely um, an area I'd like to explore more, um, but I think it's worth mentioning that, uh, yes, it does exist, and... Um, and what actually it contains. And I think in, in if while my, my first um, experiences were always kind of thought of like uh, everything is like um, thoughts in the mind of God. And in, in, in from a certain perspective, uh, that can be valid as well. Um, to me, this whole concept of Akashic Record is, um, is totally fascinating. And um, I might uh, also uh, add some information that um, from Yazi Swaru that everyone experiences uh, what they call dreams. And what you have in mind is what you will dream. And if you dream mundane things, it's only because you have that in mind. But in the dream, everything is as real or more in what you would call the objective real world of being in wakefulness. When you um, die, you only become what you dream of. What you have in mind is what you will see in your mind. Your values and your ideas your agreements, or agreeing not to have agreements is your reality, and that is what you see. There's no objective reality. Everything is dreaming, or there is objective reality only if you wish. But dreaming for someone else is their objective reality, and so no one has the right or authority to impose one reality on another. You can't is what slows you down. You have to get rid of that mentality first. It is here where governments impose a reality of a few 
or a mass of people who have delegated their power to decide for themselves the course of their lives, and this is the definition of government. Government, in turn, comes out of themselves as a reflection of their values, but by definition, the values that will be transferred to their government will be those consistent with the needs of control and dominance frustrations, and lack of power of the people themselves, thus creating a reflection of the worst qualities of the population in the government that rules over them. So in order to obtain a position of power in said government, it's necessary to have certain qualities that are the worst in the people and in a scalar way, meeting the increasing level of psychopathy. <laughs> Interesting uh, perspective there. Um, your perception and the interpretation that you give to events and objects that you perceive as external to yourself is largely manipulated by other entities that only take care of their own interest at your expense. But the reason why those entities manipulate you is because they need you because you are the creators and they're not so what you think what you create and what you feel is the external reality and with all of the above that's been said um, this is Yazi Swaru what I want to tell you to remind you of is that you have all the power to stop everything you do not like and to stop everything you do not agree with, what you know is hurting you and what deprives you is quality of life, whatever it is. First of all, and before all, you must know the enormous strength of the word no. I know that people have a certain rejection of that word because they want to please others, to feel accepted by them, and because deep down they want to always feel loved. But once a person ha has things clear and has developed the conviction to follow what seems right, a no has huge force against all kinds of entities and circumstances that may arise against you. If you fear something that could happen, or even if it is in progress, without fear and with all your inner strength say no, I do not accept that this happens to me. I do not want that. Everything within that matrix will insist in many positive ways that you accept that you do not want this or with and that you also accept what, that you do not accept what is happening to you as inevitable, but it is not so. What they want most is to is manipulate you through fear. The matrix constantly tests you by throwing you adversity. A no with enough force and conviction says everything because otherwise it would go against universal laws of free will and because the matrix game is yours and for you to generate an experience. The victim mentality 
only prevails in an environment when people do not exercise their own responsibility about themselves, about their thoughts, values, and their actions. So um, just an interesting tip from uh, Yazi Swaru. I'd like to uh, now uh, wish my uh, listening audience my sincere best towards your attainment of um, full consciousness, perfect health and abundance. And in closing, i uh, share with you the Who Am I technique where um, I spoke of before, coming from Sri Ramana Maharshi, where you be, get to the highest place you know how to get to, focus all your attention in the center of your forehead, and become that spot. And then you, you ask the question, who am I? And in fact, uh, one of the techniques uh, that Sri Ramana, Ramana Maharshi would talk about is, I mean, you can go around all day long and, and do this who am I question. Um, basically, what it kind of does, it, it destroys all of the thoughts. And that's, uh, I think it was explained earlier in this program. But uh, the cool thing is that if you really think about it, if you ask that question enough, uh, sooner or later, you're probably going to get a response. Uh, one of the things I learned from being in that uh, universal intelligence field is uh, you ask the question, you get the answer. Um, and that holds true at any level and dimension. The problem for most of us most of the time is that we just can't hear the answer. And um, in asking this question, who am I, uh, it's not that you you want an answer, you want an experience, uh, because there's no um, there's no defining the answer. Um, but at any rate, you become the spot in the center of your forehead, ask the question, who am I, a few times or whatever's comfortable, and then you state the following, I am not my body. I am not my internal organs. I am not my thoughts. I am not this spot. What spot? I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of all. It is time to become a part of all.